0: Lucy Burdett's Key West Cozies feature a magazine food critic called Haley Snow, her husband's nosy dog Ziggy, and an indomitable sidekick, Miss Gloria, who's rapidly becoming a reader favorite. All that set in page-turning, beautiful action in Florida's laid-back tropical archipelago. Welcome to the joys of binge reading. The show for anyone who ever got to the end of a great book and wanted to read the next installment. We interview successful series authors and recommend the best in mystery, suspense, historical and romance series so you'll never be without a book you can't put down. You'll find this episode's show notes, a free e-book and lots more information at thejoysofbingereading.com And now, here's our show. Hi there, I'm your host Jenny Wheeler and today on Binge Reading Lucy talks about the joy of combining two of her loves in life, Food and Key West, in an award-winning, best-selling Small Town Mystery Series. Our giveaway this week is a selection from a group of authors, Mystery, Thriller and Suspense, including Sadie's vow, book one in my own home at last trilogy. You'll find a link to download these books in the show notes for this episode on the website thejoysofbingereading.com. That's a free download giveaway for holiday reading. And remember, if you enjoy the show, leave us a review so others will find us too. Word of mouth is still the best form of recommendation, and it will help people find a show that recommends books they'd love to discover and read. But now, here's Lucy.
1: Hello there, Lucy,
0: and welcome to the show. It's great to have you with us.
1: I'm so happy to be here, and I really appreciate being invited.
0: It's lovely. The wonders of technology to think that you're in, I think, Key West, Florida, and I'm in New Zealand. It's great, isn't it? It's crazy.
1: Yes, two islands. (laughs) That's right, yes.
0: Lucy, you've got a flourishing career writing these Key West food critic mysteries. You've just published number 13 in those. How did you get started on fiction writing just generally?
1: It's a strange story, but your listeners might not know that I'm a clinical psychologist. That was my career before writing. And when I met my now husband of 31 years, he was a big golfer and I was not, but I wanted to do whatever it took to spend time with him. So I started taking golf lessons and I was just horrible terrible i made every mistake it was embarrassing and so i started thinking about what could i write that would combine psychology and learning golf and i began to pitch some nonfiction stories about the psychology of golf and i had a few published but it's very hard as a freelancer to get picked up by magazines So I was talking to a good friend from graduate school about this, and she said, why don't you try writing a mystery? Because we've always read mysteries since Bobsey Twins and Nancy Drew and passed them back and forth. I said, that sounds like an interesting idea. I know nothing about how to write a novel, but I could immediately picture this first protagonist who was a neurotic lady golfer who desperately wanted to play on the professional ladies golf tour. But she had too many issues that would keep her from doing that. So that was the first thing I tried. And I found an agent after about a year. And I was taking classes and I found a writer's group. And she was able to sell that series not too long after that. And The trouble with the golf lovers mystery series, as they were called, is that readers tend to hate golf and golfers tend not to have time to read. So it wasn't a perfect intersection. There were five books in that series. And then I tried writing one that was set in Connecticut that had to do with a lady psychologist And there were three of those. And then finally, I heard about this editor who was looking for a food critic mystery, preferably in a tropical setting. And we had just started traveling a lot to Key West and thinking about moving here at least half time. So I pitched the idea of this series set in Key West and she took it and said, would you consider changing your name? Because the other eight books were published under my real name, which is Roberta Islip. I said, sure, I chose my grandmother's name. She was Lucille Burdett. And that's how it got started. It was a crazy midlife crisis.
0: It's interesting. You must have already, though, had the feeling you wanted to write something. If that
1: happened to me, I'd probably just give up golf. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a very stubborn person, it turns out, and also a slow learner. You talk to writers and some of them have this feeling that they always wanted to be a writer. And that was not me. I've always read like mad and love reading, especially series books, because I like to start with a character and follow a long ways with her. But no, I never thought about, I have a PhD in clinical psychology, so I know how to write that sort of thing. But This was all new.
0: Yeah, and the Key West series does really require somebody who has
1: a genuine passion and interest in food. Was that you at the beginning? Uh, I have always loved to eat. That's my main claim to fame. And I was a decent cook, but I have to say that following these characters, the main character is Haley Snow, who's the food critic, And her mother, who now lives in town, is a caterer. Following them, I have to expand my horizons and try new things because, as you've seen, there are recipes in the back of the book. So I have to make what I am imagining they might make. And then the other part of the research is that we have to go out to eat a lot, which is not too onerous. And then I try to make some things that I really love from the restaurants that we've been to. So I'm passionate about eating and I will cook if need be.
0: And you obviously, with a food critic character, you have to stay on top of food trends, don't you? Because restaurants are always wanting to be a little bit ahead of the latest trend.
1: Yes, At Key West, probably not so much as you might find in a place like New York City. But yes, I read a lot about food critics. There's a wonderful book by Frank Rooney, who was the food critic for The New York Times, called Born Round. It was a memoir of his life and his experience as the food critic. So I read things like that. Ruth Reichel, who was also the food critic at the time, she's written a series of wonderful memoirs and novels. So all that helped me get into the head of what my character might be noticing and thinking about writing.
0: Key West itself is practically a character in the series. There's a very strong sense of location. So I guess it's not surprising that you've really integrated yourself into that community as one of the citizens of it.
1: Yes, we, we're we here half the year and we have a lot of friends and I am now the president of the Friends of the Key West Library, which really helps me feel connected to the community. And as far as Key West, the character, I always say, if you can't walk around town and find something to write about, you're not trying very hard because it's a very nutty place. Is uh, it? <laughs> it's an expensive place. It's getting worse as time goes on. And so you have a lot of conflicts between the people who are spending a lot of money to buy property here. And there are homeless people here because it's warm all the time. So why not? And then there is a whole group of people who feel like this is their happy place and they come down to unwind and so there's a lot of tension between all the, that, and that's very good for a mystery writer. That's great. Yes. Look, in the book before this
0: new one, A Dish to Die For, Haley makes a statement, and I really loved the statement so much that I jotted it down in a notebook at the time. It says, food is a window into relationships. And I thought, wow, what a lot is packed into those few words. Could you unpack that for us a little bit and explain more fully what you mean by that?
1: Sure. And I suspect this is not true of all families, but in my family, you show your love and affection for people according to what you serve them. And often it's something that you've made and it's a way to connect with them and really enjoy something together. My My mother's family, they weren't great cooks, but they were very food-centric. So I think that's where it comes from.
0: It's also quite a sense in that book of loving what grandmothers wrote and having a sense of culinary history as it relates to families as well. That probably is something that also is a personal thing
1: of yours. Yes. It was so interesting with that book, which is called A Dish to Die For, because I'm always looking for something new about Key West that I haven't written about, that people won't necessarily know about. And we had a visitor a couple of years ago who went out on her own one day and came back saying she'd visited the Key West Woman's Club, which we had never even walked inside. And it's a absolutely beautiful old building that they're working on restoring in a very vibrant community gathers there. And this was during the pandemic that I was writing this book. But the president agreed to meet me over there. It wasn't open to the public and show me around. And so then, of course, I'm thinking, oh, this is where you could find a body or uh, it's always a terrible mindset to have, but I can't help it. (laughs) It's my profession. And at the end, she gave me an old cookbook they had resurrected of all the recipes and stories from women who had belonged to this club. That was enough to get me going for the backstory of this book.
0: It's lovely. You've written other standalones under that name of Lucy Burdett. There's another one that, that you've just fairly recently published, The Ingredients of Happiness. And this one, it's a mild social satire of the happiness industry, I think you'd call it. I wondered how that fits in with your alter ego as Roberta.
1: Roberta is the real psychologist, and I have been wanting to write this book for years, a story about a clinical psychologist. I did my internship in post grad work at Yale. So I know that community pretty well. And I wanted to tell the story of a new psychologist who'd landed a job at Yale and had a career researching happiness, but she turns out not to be happy herself. And I wouldn't say that I specialized in happiness, but You'll see a little bit of my dissertation in there about attachment between mothers and infants. And it's a lot harder to write this contemporary women's fiction because it doesn't have the structure that a mystery has. With a mystery, there's going to be a murder or some kind of crime, and then there are going to be suspects, and then there's going to be a detective, and it all has to be unraveled and tied up at the end. So it's a lot harder when you don't have those points along the way. So this one probably took me about 20 years to get into some kind of shape where a publisher would actually buy it. But I really hope to write more like that because it's, it's an adventure and it's a stretch for my writing muscles.
0: Every chapter has a piece of sage advice observing things about life and what makes people happy or unhappy. And the very first one is from a real person. After that, they're all, I think, mostly anyway, fictional characters. But the first one is from Dr. Laurie Santos. I've heard some of her shows. She's a real award-winning, she calls her show The Happiness Guru. And the advice that you quote her giving is so profound in quotes. It is, there are two things in life, the stuff you can control and the stuff you can't. And you think, Wow. What a revelation that is. This is a little smile up your sleeve at the whole industry, I think, isn't it?
1: Yes. But at the same time, what she said is really brilliant because if you start by realizing that and you let go of trying to manage the things that you really are not under your control, then life is a lot less stressful. So it sounds simple-minded, But I think that's why people love her. And she teaches at Yale, she teaches an undergraduate class in happiness, which is the most popular course in the history of that university. So yeah, you can go look it up and see. In fact, I think you can sign up to take it.
0: Oh, fantastic. There's no doubt that in the world we're living in now post-COVID, it's a different world. And There's a lot of people who have not regained their equilibrium. We haven't talked at all about this new book, and I'd like to give you a chance to tell us a little bit about the very latest one, A Clue in the Crumbs. It's about two Scottish sisters who come to Key West, isn't it? Tell us about the story.
1: Yes. So A Clue in the Crumbs is number 13 in the series, and it came out in August and always I'm trying to think about which of the characters I've used before should come back into the story. And one of the ones who have, has probably turned out to be the favorite of everyone I've written is Miss Gloria, who is my main character's next door neighbor. My character Haley and her police detective husband have been to Scotland for their honeymoon where she helped solve the murder of one of the sons of one of these Scottish sisters. And so it turns out they have unexpectedly become a TV sensation in a sort of great British baking show, only, of course, I couldn't call it that. And they're coming to America to find the next great baker, and my characters convince them to come to Key West and at least practice one of these TV sessions. And of course, it turns out to be a disaster and people are murdered. But those three ladies were so much fun to write. And I can't tell you how much feedback I've gotten about them. Some people call Miss Gloria The role model for senior citizens because they take naps, but they're so full of energy and so funny that I had a lot of fun with that book. And there's a scene towards the end, which I don't know if you know what a tiki boat is in New Zealand, but it's like a little motorboat, but it has a tiki boat with a straw hut, a roof on top of it. And they motor around the water at sunset and they look extremely silly, but that's where the denouement is. So that's the kind of research my husband does with me is to go out on a tiki boat cruise and then go out to dinner. It's really not bad at all. That one hit the USA Today bestseller list, which has never happened before. I owe all of that to those three ladies. I'm sure of it.
0: That's wonderful. Mentioning your husband, does he still play golf?
1: Oh, yes, he plays, yeah. I I don't have that much time to play anymore, but he plays at least three times a week.
0: You did mention how it all got started, but I'd also like to know if you had any goal for your writing when you first began, and if so, if you've realized it.
1: I think I've gone well past any goal that I thought I had. It starts just wanting to be able to write the story. And then after I've written it, wanting to get an agent and then wanting to get it published. And it's just been beyond my wildest dreams. You had asked a question in the group of questions that you sent me about, do I wish I had done anything different? And I would say, Not really, except that I didn't have my first book published until I was 50. And if only I had started earlier, I'm just not nearly done.
0: Oh, that's great. Yes, that was probably going to be my very next question. So it's wonderful that you've anticipated it. Tell us, though, if there was one thing that you would credit as the secret of the success, what would it be?
1: I'll tell you two things. One is writing community that I've gotten connected with because it I had no idea really what I was doing. And so they have been very helpful and supportive. And the other thing is writing is really a lonely occupation. You're sitting by yourself with your computer. And so having other people that you can talk to along the way is absolutely important. And the other would be, I think, you probably have to have some talent, but I don't know how much. If you keep at it and keep working at it, it's a very discouraging business. So you absolutely have to be stubborn. That would be the other thing I would say. And you have to take feedback, which I am pretty good at. I've hired editors along the way. Sometimes they'll send pages and pages back, and you just have to go lie down for a few minutes to recover from the onslaught. But then you say, oh, she's pretty smart. This is going to be a better book after I work on these things. Yeah. So those are the things I would say, yeah. And I belong to a blogging group called Jungle Red Writers, which is seven mystery and crime fiction writers. And they are huge support. If we're having a bad day, can send off a text or an email and get a lot of help.
0: I think I might have first picked up your books through Jungle Red Writers, actually. Wonderful. I think I've had quite a number of them on the show now. So terrific. Tell us about what a typical writing day looks like, and is it different when you're in Key West to your other home?
1: Probably not too different because I'm more of a morning person than a night person. We have a dog, so I'll get up, have a cup of coffee, walk the dog, look at email, and then get to work. And usually it's a matter of having, this is from my psychology background, having a small goal for each day. So if you start to think, oh my gosh, I have a novel due in five months, how am I ever going to do it? Then you're going to get freaked out. But if you think I have to get 500 words today or even 200 words or a thousand words, then they start to add up. And then you can always fix it later. But if you have a blank page, you can't fix that. So that's probably my morning. If I really don't spend a lot of time surfing the internet or looking at Facebook, then I can get a thousand words done in a couple of hours. It just depends on how disciplined I am.
0: Yeah. We always like to ask our authors about their taste in reading. This is a popular fiction podcast, and we always are interested to hear if you're a binge reader and what sorts of reading generally you do, but particularly in the popular fiction area that other
1: people might like to follow on with. I have a whole stack that I've gathered here. For mystery readers, Anne Cleves is someone that I just adore. She had a series that was set in Shetland in Scotland, and that's probably my favorite of hers. But she has two other series now. One is a male detective, and the other is Vera, who you may have seen on television. So I will buy whatever she writes. I love her books. If you like something lighter, one of my friends on Jungle Red is Reese Bowen, and she had just a new one come out. She writes a Lady Georgie Royal Spiness series, and the new one is The Proof of the Pudding, and she has really fun characters. Her main character is related to the king. They've moved along now, so they're right before World War Two. Then sometimes I have to read something that is not a mystery just to clear my palate. So the one I really loved recently was called Love Marriage by Monica Alley, who I'd never read before, but it's about two English doctors of Indian descent who are engaged. And when their families get together, all hell breaks loose. So that one I love. I also really loved Ragnar Jonasson, who is an Icelandic thriller writer. And he wrote one called Reykjavik with the Prime Minister of, I'm going to say, Iceland. And it's really wonderful. It's a funny combination of people, but I love reading about Iceland and feeling cold, and even though I don't want to be cold. So those are some of the ones that I could recommend.
0: That's lovely. Look, Reese was one of the very early people on the show, and I was so grateful to her because... We'd only just started. We couldn't really boast of any particular audience. And she was so generous with the time. I think we've had her on twice. She's one of my favorite people, actually. She's
1: a lot of fun. Yeah, we're lucky to have her.
0: What's next for you as an author, Lucy? What have you got on your desk over the next 12 months?
1: Two things. One is I've just started book 15 in the Key West Mystery Series. I really literally have four pages and I'm not sure where exactly it's going. So that one will be due at the end of August. And then one of the characters in The Ingredients of Happiness, who you only saw a little bit of, she's a waitress in the first shop, the food shop that's in the book, who has just been discovered by her birth mother. I really want to write her story. I imagine she's being told by this birth mother that her birth father is a famous French chef. So since she is very interested in cooking herself and very curious about him, she's going to go to Paris and find him and we'll see what happens there. So that's the one that I'm really just chomping at the bit to write, but I have to do this other one first. So what was book 14? Book 14 will be out in August, and it's called A Poisonous Palette.
0: Oh, fantastic. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yes. Most of the books, except for the one that went to Scotland, have stayed right in Key West. So I wanted to go up the Keys and explore an island further up, maybe 30, 40 miles up the Keys. And while I was thinking about what the plot could be, one of my fans wrote to me and said, oh, I really love your books. And when I was in my early 20s, I came down to the Keys with a girlfriend, and we ended up camping in the mangrove trees on Big Pine Key. And she went on to describe what a wonderful period of time it was and how they would never do that these days. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, this is my plot. She was happy for me to take whatever I wanted. But it's going to have two timelines, one from the late 1970s when a girl in this commune slash camp goes missing. And the other present day when the roommate of that girl comes back to Key West to try to find out what happened to her. So it was very interesting doing the two timelines and have little snippets of the old times interlaced with the present-day story.
0: Sounds great. Tell me, in Key West or in the Keys, do mangroves grow in water? You
1: couldn't actually sleep on the ground. No, so you would find a little hammock, yeah, sand hammock that's nearby. Yes, that's absolutely... Wow. Yeah.
0: Amazing. I've never heard of anybody camping in the mangroves that's remarkable in itself yeah (laughs) now book 15 you mentioned that her father is a well-known French chef
1: does that mean that book part of it will be in Paris oh yes but that's not part of the Key West series that'll be a standalone and yes it's going to mean I had to go to Paris this spring and I will have to go back again I'm certain of it
0: oh you poor thing (laughs) do you enjoy communicating with your
1: readers and where can they find you online oh there's nothing better and because as i mentioned it's a lonely business and so to hear from people that they've read one of the books and enjoyed it even if they have bones to pick and say wait a minute why would this happen i don't mind that either i just like to hear from people and Aside from the blog, which is Jungle Red Writers, where we are every day with a new blog, I'm on Facebook as Lucy Burdett and also Instagram. So I'm happy to hear from people.
0: It's interesting that you mention about sometimes people might call into question some of the plot links. I guess that is also quite instructive because it gives you a good sense of what people will find credible and what they think, oh, that's a bit far-fetched.
1: Yes, because you're so deep into the story that there are things you just wouldn't see. And other times I'll just say to myself, it's fiction, so it's okay if it doesn't all make perfect sense.
0: I always come to that thing that oftentimes, fact is stranger than fiction, as they say. That's right. And when you listen to the news these days, That is so often the case. Lucy, it's been wonderful having you with us. Thank you so much. We will have links to all of the things you've mentioned like the Jungle Red Writers in the podcast show notes. We publish a full transcript, so that will be all in the show notes if people want to follow up on it.
1: Wonderful, I'm so delighted that you invited me. We desperately want to come and visit you in New Zealand.
0: Oh, well, email me if you do that, but look, It's lovely talking and I think you're doing a great job. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much to you. Next week on Binge Reading, the first of our Best of the Year installments. We'll do two of those, five different podcasts in each, the top ten podcasts of the year selected on the basis of how many times you chose to listen to them. The numbers tell the story. That's next week on Binge Reading. And remember, Leave us a review if you like the show. We'd love you to do that, to recommend us to others so they will find us too. That's it for today. Bye now and happy reading.